Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and each week we bring you visits and conversations with people doing healing work for this world, hearing what they're doing and what inspires them and supports them in doing it. Welcome to Spirit in Action. Today we have to talk about one of the messy, shame-filled diseases that most of us would prefer to pretend just doesn't exist. Hoarding. I'm not just talking about over-enthusiastic collectors or your average messy person, but those whose emotions and mental state cause them to be submerged in an overwhelming pile of junk and possessions, leaving them barely able to breathe. The good news is that there is a cure, both mentally and physically, for the illness. One of the leading programs dealing with this is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, one of the terribly needed services provided by Catholic Charities. We're going to talk to Carla Alejo, the director of their Hoarding Intervention and Treatment Program, and who also serves as the chair of Milwaukee County's Hoarding Task Force. Carla Alejo joins us by phone from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hey, Carla, it's great to have you here today for Spirit in Action. Good morning, Mark. Thanks for having me. So right up front, we're going to do some disclosure here. You are my niece, my well-loved niece. So it was quite a delight to find that you're so involved with the treatment of this disorganization syndrome that goes around the world, the hoarding tendency. So the first thing I think we need to do for our listeners is define what you're really dealing with in terms of hoarding. What is the behavior that a lot of times is referred to as hoarding? Sure. Hoarding disorder has three main characteristics to it. The first one is the acquiring and failing to discard a large number of possessions that appear to be useless or limited value. The second characteristic is living in spaces that are significantly cluttered to the point where items prevent activities for which space was designed. An example of that is the bedroom is so filled with clothes or the bed is that now the person is sleeping in the living room or a garage is so full of items that the car is no longer being parked in the garage. And the third characteristic is that there's significant impairment in function or distress caused by the hoarding. That is the key to this disorder. And another way to describe it is that the items have a negative effect on the person's life. So those are the three main characteristics that make up the hoarding disorder. I get it that there in Milwaukee, where you're located, you are more of a central clearinghouse. You deal with maybe a wider span of hoarding issues than elsewhere. I was looking online, and I did find other people dealing with hoarding. Why is this Milwaukee subdivision of Catholic Charities special in the nation? In about 2016, we had the approval to create a pilot program to address hoarding disorder. The program that we created is truly a wraparound program. What we looked at are all the wellness factors that affect someone's life that kind of snowballs and creates this hoarding disorder. Those kind of wellness factors that we were looking at are someone's emotional wellness. We look at their physical wellness, at social or spiritual wellness. We look at financial wellness and the environment 
is the ultimate wellness factor, and that's what people are kind of connected to with their hoarding disorder, is that, of course, there is environment issues. But people don't realize that the disorder has affected all these other wellness beings in people. So with the program, creating a wraparound program, we see that more of these wellness factors that we address in a person, that they're more likely to have success in conquering their hoarding disorder. So the programs that one would find elsewhere in the United States, the element they're lacking is the wraparound nature? Is that what I'm getting? That's correct. Some people can find therapy that may address hoarding disorder, but then they will not address their actual environment. They will not have someone who can help them go through their items. Where we have a case manager that can help direct, again, all of the services And in regards to therapy, we have found in our program that is most helpful to have a therapist that comes to the individual's home for numerous reasons, but therapy seems to work better with this disorder when it's done within someone's home. Other programs that address hoarding disorder, you may find a company that will do clear-outs or help with the environment But those are usually done a quick clear out when you're not going to have someone who is going to actually work with the individual in changing the behaviors. It's truthfully a company that will come and take the stuff out. Sometimes they'll help go through it slowly, but most of the times it's just a quick clear out. But they will say that they work with those with hoarding disorder. Those are usually the two kinds of companies or programs that you can find but you can't usually find a full wraparound program to work with hoarding disorder. I was looking online, and I found, I think, uh, via Psychology Today, there were nine hoarding disorder therapists in Milwaukee area. Actually, there was probably another eight underneath that, but there was some qualification as to what they did. So I know there's a lot of therapists and psychologists dealing with this, and I found them elsewhere in the nation as well. Is this a specific DSM-5 category? Yes, there is a DSM under OCD that is contributed with the hoarding disorder, but what we found is not all people that have hoarding disorder have OCD. So that kind of limits the people that they're helping is the people who may have OCD. And there's numerous factors that go into hoarding disorder. Some of the other factors are depression. It could be trauma. It could be dementia. It could be just cognitive impairment or it could be genetics because 50% of the people who suffer from hoarding disorder have family history of hoarding disorder. So when you go to a therapist who treats people with hoarding disorder under the DSM for OCD, they not, may not be able to address the different reason why you have the hoarding disorder. This is complex. I get it that you would contract this uh, disorder from your family. I mean, part of it is just some kind of uh, connection with disorder in the family. I could imagine that being normal. But I think there's a, a significant difference between clutter or messiness 
or even buying just a lot of stuff. You know, a lot of everybody has their gazingas pin that they like to buy, whether it's books or music or something. That's not the same as hoarding. No. A hoarding disorder is, like you said, it is very complex. So usually our people that we help come to us with a combination of diagnosis, whether that be OCD or depression, or it could be just some physical ailments. It could be that they have bad knees or bad shoulders. You take those physical ailments that's going on with the person, and then what usually happens is they have a life event, and it's usually a negative life event. That event can be different. In some people, it is a death of a loved one. It could be the loss of a job. It could be a divorce. And that life event makes their life overwhelming. And when you have diagnosis such as depression or OCD, you have a life event, people shut down. And then they turn to coping mechanisms. In cases of hoarding disorder, those are usually kind of negative coping mechanisms. It could be when you come home, you take all the mail and you put it on the couch and that you cope with not having to be overwhelmed by the mail by just putting the mail down. And then you start doing that for a week and another week, and then it becomes routine and it becomes a habit. And it's unfortunately a negative one because you do not address the mail or that clutter, but you are coping with your life event. It's essentially survival. And then before you know it, a year has gone past, and then you have a full room of junk mail. Or it could be important mail that you haven't gone through where there's bills or there's checks, and now you're in financial issues. It's a big snowball where when things are not addressed and life becomes overwhelming, the more you don't address, the more problems that you get along the way. So to correct that isn't just by clearing up the mess, because hoarding disorder is not about the items. It is about everything else. It's about clearing up the depression or the OCD. It's about clearing up the finances. It's about clearing up your connection socially. Has this individual been very defensive to family, not trusting people, and push them away? With our program, what we do, again, is try to address all those different wellness factors and little by little instill a new healthy routine in the person and then they start to come out of the hoarding disorder and we have great success with people. Well, I was just wondering about a particular case I know of someone who I think you quite definitely would say he had hoarding disorder. I think he got a cure. He got married to a woman who wouldn't allow it. <laughs> he no longer has any of the detritus that was of that life. She just doesn't allow it, and he's uh, sufficiently motivated by her work on it that he doesn't do it. Now, I, I don't know if they ever separated, divorced, whatever. I'm not sure if it wouldn't come back. But is it also true that if you don't have hoarding going on, that maybe you can more effectively deal with the feelings that are going on that, that would lead to the hoarding disorder. If I've been putting the mail down on the couch and it piles up and pretty soon the house is filled with it, that adds its own angst to my system. 
if all that stuff is cleared out and I'm starting from a clean house, then maybe at least it removes some of the overwhelmed feelings that will only aggravate the hoarding. That's true only if you are a person, the reason for your hoarding is a certain reason. If you have an underlying cause of, say, OCD, it may be harder because you have to retrain your brain. You have to truly come up with a new routine and reasons why this new routine is helpful. So if someone may have some depression and start to clear up and have a clean slate, and now their feelings have been uplifted and they see this in a positive light, then it will be easier to maintain. The reasons behind someone's hoarding is all different. So the success long-term or the ability to do it on your own can be different. Many of the people that we help have had a life event that they haven't been able to address properly. Like I said, many times that could be a loss of a loved one. That could be a loss of a parent or a child, and they did not process it correctly. So if you clean up the environment, but those feelings weren't addressed correctly, then the environment will downward spiral and it'll happen again. That's why with our program, we have people address underlying causes to their hoarding disorder. That way, we can assure that they're going to have more long-term success. Well, that makes sense. So, again, you're here today for Spirit in Action because the mission of Norton Spirit Radio is world healing. I'm assuming that when you've gone out there and done this with folks, that their lives are changed, they get a new lease on life. Can you, without using names, can you talk about some examples of what happens? Sure. We've had numerous clients, and like I said, every situation is different, but we've had a person that we worked with who suffered from depression. Her life event was the loss of her son, who had committed suicide. And this son happened to be her support system and lived with her because she had physical ailments. She was not able to take out the garbage on her own. And when her son committed suicide, then she shut down and the garbage started to pile up around her. This person usually is a very social, outgoing person and was very successful in life up to that point. And her whole world came crashing down. And she ended up living on a chair in the middle of a two-bedroom apartment on top of about two feet of garbage. We came in and started working with her And the process is slow because it did not happen overnight. So the cure is not going to be overnight. And we worked with her in getting therapy and addressing the loss of not only her son but other family members and processing how she got to this point. And then we started working with her on going through the items in her home. Some stuff was garbage. Some stuff was actually very important. So we had to go through it one piece at a time with her. And then she started to realize that she was living in an unsafe environment. Now she has gotten that all cleared up. She has 
a great living environment, and she's extremely social. She's getting out and meeting with friends, and she's active in her community. She's volunteering. So she is overall success story. We also worked with a family who we had someone who'd went to the hospital because she was having stomach issues and stomach pain, ended up having a child in the hospital. She did not realize she was pregnant. Her home had been so filled with recyclables and other materials that they would not allow the baby to come home. She had grown up herself in an environment that was hoarded up. We worked with her on getting her home cleared up so baby could come home, introducing therapy to address her childhood in a hoarded up home. Then we introduced behaviors of proper parenting, and she was able to bring her child home and raise her child in a clean environment, and they're continuing to do so. You know, there's one of the things that it still doesn't quite click for me. You refer to OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. When I think of OCD, I normally think of a person who has to do things 10 times to reassure themselves that they've done it. They have to check and make sure they turned off the stove 10 times or that kind of thing. But obviously, there's another side of OCD, which doesn't get big billing. What is that part with respect to hoarding? So in regards to hoarding, those who have more of an OCD diagnosis, we see that the items that they collect are more like items. So it will be the items in their home are more consistent. So it'll be a lot of books or just mail. And then there's usually obsessions or fears about how those items are kept or addressed. They also usually have rituals about how they put the items a certain way or how they address those items. So they connect the behavior to those items. That's a person that we have to really address those actual behaviors and change that. And that's what I call retraining the brain. We have to train their brain to think of the proper way to house those items and the reasoning behind needing them or not needing them. Unfortunately, people with OCD are more likely to relapse into hoarding disorder if those behaviors aren't addressed. But overall, when people are thinking of hoarding disorder and still can't wrap their brain around what the disorder is and how people can live like this, what I tell people to think of this disorder as an addiction. If you're thinking about a drug or alcohol addiction, people with addictions don't want to live with the addiction. They just don't know how to change or they're fearful for changing because they have introduced different behaviors and ways of coping with life events. It's the same with hoarding disorder. People have created different negative coping abilities, and we just need to help them change those behaviors. You know, this gets really complicated, Carla, because 
our society has an edge, which I almost think that we have a society here in the USA, which is based on hoarding. It's like he who dies with the most toys wins. You've seen the bumper sticker. Sure. As you know, of course, I'm Quaker. We've got this emphasis on simplicity, which is kind of inherent to how to look around the world. You don't want extraneous things that keep you from the center of where you want your life to go. So simplicity thinking versus hoarding versus being just a slob. There's people who are slobs who I assume are not hoarders. True. And it's not illegal to be a slob and it's not illegal to be a hoarder. Just a bad idea. (laughs) Yes. So my question is really, doesn't our United States culture of more, 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 doesn't that feed into a hoarding point of view? It just it kind of makes it normal to have a lot of crap, and so it's easier to rationalize. And, you know, your coping mechanism is, I have more things, so I don't deal with my feelings. I mean, I think there are people who, I'm feeling bad, so what am I going to do? I'm going to go shopping. Correct. That's not full-scale hoarding, maybe, but it's on the road. Doesn't it make it easier because of our society? And is this true in other societies? I mean, in Mexico, you're familiar with, since you've traveled there enough because your husband's from there. Is hoarding a Mexican thing as well? Or is this a like the rich materialistic U.S. environment that particularly makes this an outlet? It, definitely, our society helps to grow the disorder here, but hoarding disorder is across the world. I've seen it in Mexico. I know in the UK there is a lot of it and lots of programs that are coming out to address it. Currently there is 3 to 7% of the population that suffers from this. And then if you think about 50% have family history, this is just an issue that's going to grow and grow. And it's fostered, again, by the idea of what you have makes who you are. And in the future, this is just going to be a growing problem. Mm -hmm. Unless we change the United States. And that's what Carla Alejo is about. She works for Catholic Charities in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, as part of the Hoarding Intervention and Treatment Program. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Carla, but I believe you're the chairperson for the Milwaukee Hoarding Task Force as well, right? Correct. And all of that is why she's here today to engage in some world healing via Spirit in Action, which is Northern Spirit Radio production. On the web, you find us at northernspiritradio.org. We have a link for the Hurting Intervention Treatment Program of Catholic Charities. Catholic Charities Milwaukee, ccmke.org is their website, ccmke.org website. Come via northernspiritradio.org and you'll find the link very easily. On our site, you find links and information about our guests for the past 14 years that we've been doing Spirit in Action. You'll find a place to post comments, and I encourage all of you, including you, Carla, come and post a comment on our programs on NordenSpiritRadio.org. There's also a donate button. This full-time work supported by your donations, not by government and not by corporations, but you, the listeners. And I want to especially encourage you to support the local community radio stations. There's some 39 of them across 
the United States who carry our programs from Northern Spirit Radio. So please support them. Alternative news, getting the information out there is so crucial, and they're doing an amazing job at a local level. Again, Carla, we were mentioning that this program under Catholic Charities umbrella deals with hoarding. Is it under Catholic Charities for a particular reason? I know there's lots of programs that Catholic Charities deals with. Why is hoarding part of what Catholic Charities do? Is there some religious connection there? I think Catholic Charities tries to address issues in the community that are unmet, and there's unmet needs. And hoarding happens to be an unmet need in the community. There's nowhere else, no other program or agency that addresses this large need in the community. So it is not because of religion per se. Catholic Charities is a social service agency. So it is meant to help the community in general. And hoarding disorder is just a large unmet need in the community. The other places around the U.S. where you might get this kind of service, we, before we were on the air, we were talking about the International OCD Foundation is one of the places where you can get a lot of information that will help people with hoarding. The Institute for Challenging Disorganization is another. I have both those links on org. Challengingdisorganization.org is their website. So what do these kind of institutions do versus what you do at Catholic Charities? That information will help start with education, with treatment of anything. The first step is always to get more education, is to be on top of what is coming out, the reasons behind this disorder, and everything that's detailed or entailed in it, even though it is kind of an overwhelming disorder to even learn about. But these websites will help provide some education. A program like ours provides hands-on, one-on-one help to work through those who are suffering from the disorder. So the thing I was talking about earlier, that our society encourages this materialism, this increasing in possessions. There is a current movement, Marie Kondo, the movement about simplifying. What kind of relationship is there between dealing with hoarding and the kind of thing that Marie Kondo is encouraging? What she addresses are is your relationship with items. And what we have to have people understand about hoarding disorder is that it's not about the stuff. It's usually about something else that is in the works inside of the person. It's usually some kind of behavioral health issue that needs to be addressed, and it kind of manifests into the environment and to the stuff around. They do work hand in hand, but you can't take care of the disorder if you don't take care of your environment and you can't take care of the environment if you don't take care of the disorder or the behavioral health part of it. Back in 2002, I was co-leading something that our local Quaker meeting was doing about voluntary simplicity. And we had people in there. There was one woman who talked about her mother, who quite clearly was a hoarder. She had a really funny story, which I think is worth sharing. The 
her mother's house was so filled with everything that you couldn't get around in the rooms. That's kind of a common knowledge. That's how you can very easily recognize hoarding, of course. And they found out in the aftermath that there had been a burglar who got into the house. He broke in through a window And then he got inside and he couldn't move anywhere because he was so surrounded by all this crap everywhere. And so he left without taking anything. So she was, in fact, saved by her hoarding, at least to some degree. Or maybe should better say that she could have been better saved if only he had taken some of her crap with him when he went. (laughs) But he didn't. (laughs) So that was in the course of a voluntary simplicity study group that we were doing. And there is clearly some relation, but again, you you point out it goes well beyond that. When I asked you if hoarding was nationwide, there are rich people in every country of the world, I think. Is it at all socioeconomic? Are there dirt poor people who are hoarders as well? Yes, there are. There's people who will collect, again, items that are worthless, I've had people who have rooms filled with toilet paper tubes or canned food or stones, whatever person can hold on to to make them feel at ease, they will do that. So people who do not have a lot of income to go out and buy a bunch of stuff will find different items to hold on to. It could even be animals. And you probably have heard of cases of animal hoarding. So many times those are strays on the street that people pick up and start to care for. So it doesn't matter if someone has money or not. When the disorder starts to display itself, people will find something to hold on to, kind of isolate them and insulate them from what's going on in the world or what's making them feel overwhelmed. Is it also true, and I'm just assuming this has to be valid, that one person's collecting, from another point of view, looks like hoarding, but it may not be. I was thinking about a person who loves cats or dogs or whatever and takes in so many that they're overwhelmed by them. That could be just a limiting of their situation. It's not about hiding feelings. It's about the compassion they feel about cats or dogs. Do you run into situations where, oh, this looked like hoarding, but in fact this is a choice that this person is making for really sensible reasons, I guess? We have been called to go to certain cases where we've been told that there's hoarding and it wasn't. Again, having clutter or being a slob, you can do that if you want. So we've gone into homes where that is the case. And again, it it comes down to if that stuff is having a negative effect on the individual. If it is not having an effect on that individual, then you can say that it's not hoarding disorder. For those who are collectors of items, usually people who are collectors will display their items, they will care for their items, and there is a purpose or a goal with those items. We have clients who start off as collectors and then other things happen in life and then that collecting ends up turning into hoarding disorder. 
we do come across that. But people will ask all the time, what's the difference between collecting and hoarding disorder? My son, Chris, who of course you know, he, when he was little, he developed a fascination with chopsticks because we eat at Chinese restaurants a lot. And so he got some very nice pairs, but he also would collect, he had a drawer full of nothing but chopsticks. He didn't turn into a hoarder, not even remotely. But the fact that he had an entire drawer of which, you know, 95% were just plain wooden chopsticks that he used at a meal uh, that is that incipient hoarding or <laughs> is that just being peculiar <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's just peculiar or that's normal <laughs> in its own strange way it's normal <laughs> He got rid of them, by the way, uh, last couple of years. We had all these things stored up from him, and he says, I don't need those. What are that about? You can use it as kindling for the fire here. So that's what we did. <laughs> now, if he filled up his room filled with chopsticks, and they covered his bed, and now he was no longer able to sleep in his bed, and is suffering from sleep deprivation because he couldn't sleep in his bed, now that's hoarding disorder. <laughs> of course, you know, the disorder doesn't start off and all of a sudden you're full-blown and your house is completely filled. There is points of which the disorder can take control. Usually, those who are already suffering from some chronic disorganization are more likely to then fall into the disorder when there is a life event or life becomes too overwhelming. So there are now more red flags that our program is able to notice and able to address with people because, again, people are coming to us when they're not in crisis mode, when there are different levels of hoarding disorder going on. Uh, folks, we're speaking with Carla Alejo for Spirit in Action today. She's the head of the Hoarding Intervention and Treatment Program of Catholic Charities in Milwaukee, and their website is ccmke.org, CC, Catholic Charities, MKE, abbreviation for Milwaukee.org, and look under the services menu, and you'll find their Hoarding Intervention Treatment Program. One of the things I noted by looking through your website and actually also at the Milwaukee Hoarding Task Force is that part of your wraparound program treating this is on the fourth Thursday of the month. In the early afternoon, 1 to 3 p.m., there's a couple hours where there's a support group for those who suffer from hoarding disorder. And then later in the day, there's from six to eight, there's for family and friends of those who suffer. I found it very interesting. I was thinking you, when you mentioned it's uh, like an addiction, there's not only AA, but there's Al-Anon. There's the, the family and friends of those dealing with the addiction. Could you talk about those two groups, what people get out of the groups and why there are the two different groups? Sure. Like you say, with those with addictions or disorders, these are things that aren't just affecting the individual, but it affects the whole family, it affects the whole family dynamic. And part of us addressing the disorder and getting people to a healthier spot is providing education and providing safe environments for people. 
there is the support group for individuals themselves that are suffering from the disorder. And people can come to that support group. Those people do not have to be part of our program. If they just want an environment where they can see that they're not the only one and get some tips and some ideas of how to start changing things up, what works, what doesn't work, share their feelings and share their experiences that they're having with their family, with their neighbors, with inspectors. Because sometimes a person with the hoarding disorder feels like everyone is against them. So this is a safe environment for people to get peer support and get ideas and hopefully come to terms with the disorder and start to get a plan in place to change their life. Likewise, we have the support group for friends and families, and that is in the evenings, and that is so friends and families can voice the frustrations that they have. They can get more education because what we find is that the friends and families are the ones who are lacking the education. They want to know why this is happening. And unfortunately, a lot of times friends and family take the issues personally and they don't understand that their friend or family does not want to live like this, but they're being defensive. And unfortunately, the only people they can take this out on are their friends and family. But they truly need their friends and family for support to be able to conquer the disorder. So we have the support group for them to be able to voice what's going on, to be able to problem solve, to get more education, and hopefully then be able to help their family members. What we've had happen in the past, we've had many phone calls from friends and families who will say, we just need someone to clear up mom's house. And we're going to have my sister take my mom to lunch, and then we're going to go over there and clear everything out when she's at lunch. That is the worst thing that families can do. And unfortunately, it does happen, and we get phone calls of friends and families that have done this or are trying to plan this, I would seriously have people rethink that because, first of all, it's illegal. You cannot take people's items out and throw them away. Second of all, you are truly hurting your relationship with your family, with your loved one, whether that be a parent or a sister or a neighbor. They are not going to trust you in the future. And... I understand that family and friends want to help the person and get them into a safer environment, but that's not the right way to address the disorder. I know it's not unusual in the area of drug and alcohol addiction to have an intervention. At least at one point, this was a practice. You get people to confront the person altogether. You said, Carla, that people are involved in your program voluntarily that they want to deal with their issue. In the area of alcohol, it's not unusual. Sometimes people can continue to live with, be connected with uh, an alcoholic or a drug addict of some other sort, and they go to Al-Anon and they help deal with their issues of that. Is it also sometimes just necessary to, and do you get these people who, I guess, they just have to leave the relationship because they can't live in that environment? Definitely, we have many people who come to our 
support groups that are in that position. And we would rather someone leave an unsafe environment than keep enabling that individual to with these behaviors. Again, if you're looking at it as an addiction, lots of family members, unfortunately, enable their family to continue the hoarding disorder. They will bring them stuff. They will help them reorganize instead of putting their foot down and say, no, I'm not going to do this. This is what really needs to be done. Even though our program is voluntary, we do notice that people usually need a stressor to make a change. Just like with an addiction, a lot of people have to hit rock bottom before they're ready to change and ready to seek help. The same goes with hoarding disorder. Many times that comes in play when they're facing eviction or they're facing a loved one leaving the relationship that to them is rock bottom and then they're ready to open their eyes and make a change and do something about it. So again, if, if an individual does not want to change and wants to live with the disorder, we cannot make them nor can a family member make them. They have to be ready and willing to change. It's interesting. I haven't thought of people as enabling it, but in the same way you can enable any kind of addiction, you can be enabling a hoarding disorder. So we were traveling together. Again, we're talking with Carla Lejo, who is chair of Milwaukee Hoarding Task Force, and she's the director of the Hoarding Intervention and Treatment Program, Catholic Charities in Milwaukee. And she happens to be my niece. And again, I'm just really thrilled to have someone doing this kind of good work in the world. I see it all around us. And, we, and since we were traveling together in North Carolina, we were part of the Friendly Folk Dancer Quaker Tour Group traveling around North Carolina. As we were going along, you, Carla, would point at a house and say, oh, there's a hoarder or there's a hoarder. Or we'd meet a person and you could say, oh, that person's a hoarder. I don't even see their things, but I know they're a hoarder. What are the cues to look for on the outside, or what are the things that, for you, spark this suspicion, even when just meeting an individual? Well, first of all, in regards to homes and environments, I usually notice red flags, number one, with clutter outside. Number two, usually the shades are drawn. If you have a neighbor or a friend that never invites you into their home, and you wonder why. That could be a flag to something else going on in the home. We also have people who will meet you at places. Instead of inviting you, they will always offer to be the driver. And in regards to individuals, I do see individuals who carry lots of bags or within conversation will start talking about items that they can use for projects and they will start talking about lots of different projects and get off topic. It shows me that that person could be overwhelmed and looking for reasons not to address their hoard or their tasks at hand. So that's a difficult question. I have to ask myself sometimes how I, how I recognize this. <laughs> well, it is so common. 
I also wanted to ask a few things about you personally, Carla. Oftentimes, I find that with alcohol and drug ADOA treatment programs, very frequently the people leading these programs were in the past themselves troubled in that direction, right? They may have been a full-blown alcoholic or, or whatever. And because of that, they know they think from the inside is that how you qualified to be head of the hoarding intervention <laughs> treatment program? Nope. <laughs> nice try, but no. <laughs> I started working in home care about 20 years ago, and I had gone to many homes where there is hoarding, and my bosses wouldn't even say the word hoarding or they wouldn't give me a heads up, and I'd go into these homes that are completely packed, and there was never any discussion about what to do and how to address this with home care. Many times if there was something said, it would be, well, there's nothing you can do. Just do whatever they say for you to do. And with more of the years working with individuals and realizing that there were certain things that I could do and say to help that person understand that the home wasn't safe, and I started to have more success with that, I realized that there were people that were needing help that weren't getting help and just kept being pushed off to the side. So I've been working with people with this disorder for over 20 years. When I came here to Catholic Charities, then was I lucky enough to have a program director that recognized that I had kind of the keys to some of the success, and he encouraged me then to create a program that can truthfully treat this disorder in the community. As we mentioned earlier, there's uh, information and resources, the first steps towards getting treatment with groups like the International OCD Foundation or the Institute for Challenging Disorganization. But in Milwaukee, with this pilot program that began in 2016, this wraparound program, there's a special amount of resources. Uh, even for the entire nation of the USA, this is a special program, and people can look it up and follow the links from northernspiritradio.org. How big is your staff in dealing with this? And again, we're talking about Catholic Charities Hoarding Intervention Treatment Program. How big is your staff? How many people do you deal with? What is the magnitude of this problem, at least in your area in Milwaukee? In Milwaukee, we have a staff of, we have one case manager, we have one in-home therapist, and we have three home coaches that work with our clients. And since the day that we started our program, we've had a waiting list. In the past year, we have served over 100 people with the disorder. And to the 100 people that we serve, that means we've had at least double to triple the amount of those who inquire about services. Many times people call us and just ask for more education and more information some people aren't 100% ready for the program, but say they'll call us back. So there is a great need out there, and that's just within Milwaukee County in Wisconsin. We have, again, our staff of five that is the team that works with an individual, but 
that's due to, of course, funding. We're able to do a program like this because we have funding. Everyone with hoarding disorder ends up having some kind of financial difficulties, and that's the reason why we're able to address this in the community is that we get funding from partners like United Way, the Catholic Stewardship Appeal, other grants and donations for our program. So we're able to then have a team of professionals to help treat our clients. So you said that you served 100 clients in the past year. How long does this treatment go on, or is it in perpetuity? I mean, they're always in danger of backsliding. It's like go to AA every week for the rest of your life because you're always a recovering alcoholic. Are you always a recovering hoarder? Again, because everyone's overriding diagnosis within the disorder is different, then their length of treatment is different. People who may be just suffering more from depression, their treatment may go quicker. But also to take in hand is the amount of their hoard, their actual environment. We have certain clients that live in studios, and those ones clean up quicker. We have clients that have a five-bedroom house with full basement and garage and storage units. Those clients tend to take longer because we usually work with individuals about two hours once a week. It's based on this problem wasn't created quickly, so if it takes time to undo and takes time to understand how this came about. The client is included in every step of the process, so they are going through the items along with us. Also, the makeup of people's hoard is different. Some people have mail that has not been opened in the last 10 years, and we need to open up every piece of mail and take a look at it because there's important papers in there. There's some clients that may just have a lot of recycling that goes out. So there is no average treatment length because everyone's so different, and I'm sure that's the reason why there isn't more programs like this out there that may not be able to have a flexibility that we do to treat the client at the pace that they're at. So if you're funding for Catholic Charities for the program, the Hoarding Intervention Treatment Program, if that doubled or tripled, and you could, of course, find staff to do this, is the need there that it should, could double, triple itself, the number of people you're treating? Oh, definitely. We have, again, we have a waiting list of people, and if we had more funding, we could easily double the amount, two triple amount of serving more clients. Also, I get calls, again, from all over the country for other places that are wanting to create a program like this or they want to problem solve or discuss clients. And I want to be able to be free for that. But what's unique about our program is everyone in our program helps the clients with the hoarding disorder, including myself. Because when we have someone who calls us who is ready for change, I want to be able to help them as soon as possible. Instead of someone who's calling us and they want help and then I hate to tell them that they have to be put on a waiting list that may take a couple months and then call them in a couple months and then they change their mind. So with more funding and a larger staff, we're able to 
help clients a lot quicker when they're ready for change. And I had a peculiar idea. I assume at some point you recognize this person really is past hoarding. They're not going to be doing it anymore. They're cured, right? Is there some kind of a graduation ceremony or experience? I'm kind of assuming you don't give them something as part of their graduation because it's a slippery (laughs) slope, right? How do you recognize that? What do you do? What we do like to do with our clients is ask them to be mentors. We have them be mentors to other people who are coming into our program and somebody who needs maybe some extra support and extra guidance. And they seem to really enjoy doing that, again, because they know from experience what these individuals are going through. So that helps give them more guidance for the future and makes them feel accomplished and helps them share the knowledge and the experience with others. But I could come up with a certificate at least. (laughs) (laughs) That can go in the recycling. (laughs) Yeah. Well, folks, we've been speaking with Carla Alejo. She is the director of the Hoarding Intervention Treatment Program, subdivision of Catholic Charities in Milwaukee, and she's the chair of the Milwaukee Hoarding Task Force. Excellent resources for the whole nation because this is a unique program in all of the nation. I'm sure all of you can look around and find at least one hoarder in your social circle and knowing that their life could be better and the lives of the people around them would be better if somehow they got a grip on the underlying disorder that is leading to this hoarding. Again, Carla joins us from Milwaukee, Wisconsin today for Spirit in Action. The website for the Catholic Charities Organization in Milwaukee is CCMKE, Catholic Charities, CCMKE, abbreviation for Milwaukee.org. But the easiest way, of course, is that the link's on NorthernSpiritRadio.org. Thank you for doing the work, Carla. Thank you for leading the county task force on it. And thank you for being my wonderful niece. Uh, All of those things. (laughs) You're welcome. No problem. I'd I'd like to leave you with uh, a quote that I share with my clients. It is from Mother Teresa, and it says, The more you have, the more you are occupied. The less you have, the more free you are. And if we're going to be the land of the free, we need to be less occupied with our possessions that overwhelm us. Thank you for help doing that work, Carla. You're welcome. And folks, please remember to go to the NorthernSpiritRadio.org website. Follow the link to Catholic Charities and our other guests for Spirit in Action. Thank you for joining us, and thank you to Andrew Jansen for production assistance on today's program. We'll see you next week for Spirit in Action. The theme music for this program is Turning of the World, performed by Sarah Thompson. Check out all things Spirit in Action on NorthernSpiritRadio.org. Guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Helpsmeet, and I hope you find deep roots to support you to grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action.